Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. My guest today, Elizabeth Devaney, is an experienced and well-respected senior executive with a strong commitment to providing sustainable health outcomes for Australians and a demonstrated ability to build and maintain positive, productive partnerships with key stakeholders and the broader community. Amongst her other current appointments, she chairs the Southern Metropolitan Partnership, which brings community, industry and local government together to provide the Victorian government advice about regional priorities and is a member of the Metropolitan Development Advisory Panel. Dr. Devaney is Chair and ongoing board member of the Australian Digital Health Agency. Elizabeth holds a Master's Degree in Vocational Health Education and a PhD in Medicine Clinical Decision Making, both from Melbourne University. Let me say first, Elizabeth, that I saw you on TV recently during this pandemic, which is flowing through our nation. I could see in you, just like you can see in other people who are you know, having to front a TV camera during what is a incredibly impactful moment for the nation, the commitment that people are showing in their roles when they have to communicate with the public. And we spoke earlier before we come online about the uh, what, what that actually means for a person in, in getting, you, know, you become tired, you become a bit worn out. I imagine by now you've been working for probably weeks on end. Given today that we're going to discuss values-based leadership, has your preference to be a practitioner of values-based leadership helped you through this period? Good morning, Andrew. I think it both has and it hasn't. So I think initially when making decisions in my various roles, using my values to guide those decisions around things like staff safety, for example, and getting people out of buildings as soon as we could was really important. I think as um, time has gone on, two things have happened. One is that you start to experience what I call values clashes, where sometimes a couple of your values that you hold quite dearly are they're not in concert. In fact, in order to do one thing, you're going to impact on another value. The other thing is as humans, and I'm certainly one of those, you're getting worn out. And so your ability to be patient and measured and stick with your values becomes more challenging. I'm seeing that in myself and I'm also seeing it in other people I work with inside or outside my business, that it just gets harder to try and stay on course. Has this challenge for our nation have you grown through it or have you had to grow through it? Well, certainly my waistline has, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> too, too much sitting and comfort eating. <laughs> I'm a bit worried about it when I have to get out of tracksuit pants back into a suit, whether there will be any chance of the button meeting the hole. But that aside, one of my sayings is that these things are great opportunities for personal professional growth. Sometimes you yeah. can't see it and it is when it's hard. That is when you grow. We don't grow when we're relaxed and comfortable, as a general rule. We grow when it gets difficult and we're forced to reevaluate our approach, reevaluate ourselves, learn, and ideally reflect on practice and improve. So I'm sure I have, 
I think for me, a part of it is just, uh, I always feel like I'm taking another layer off the onion. So I feel like that the more that I am able to do that reflection and placed in different situations, I see different aspects of my personality, my approach, or I see the same aspect from a different perspective, learn better how I might be seen by others, learn better how I respond in various situations. And then because I am a you know, an introvert by nature and a reflective being, I do think a lot about that and think about how I can change the way I am to improve myself. Is that something that you've become better at over time, that reflection? Look, my nine-year-old report from my teacher described me as a book-devouring machine. I think I've always been introverted and I've always been very happy inside my own head. I think probably over the last 20 years in various leadership roles, I am a big reader, so I read from a wide variety of sources. I've started to be able to put words to describe how I am and what I do. So, for example, I remember reading about values-based leadership and went, oh, that's what I do. I didn't know it had a name. There was another article a couple of years ago about vulnerable leadership. I went, oh, look, that's me too. Quiet leadership, yep, that'd be me as well. So I think I have learned and grown through deliberately seeking out information, but also because I'm naturally the kind of person that does a lot of introspection. Going back to your point about uh, the clash between values, mm. and you spoke about there being some very personal moments for you, what have you seen in respect to clashes of values between your team members during this, during this last period? I might give you two examples, Andrew. I might give you one that's not related to the pandemic and then one that is. So one of the things I've seen is we might get to a point in our organisation where somebody is um, ready to bloom in another environment and we need to move them on. And so often at this point, management has been performance managing someone. Management may have offered all amounts of support to this person. The person may be well aware their performance is below par, but this is very private. We don't discuss it with the rest of the business. To the rest of the business, this person might be a nice person, you know, someone great to have a cup of coffee with. When management then announce that someone's leaving, often if they leave very quickly, there's definitely a strong reaction by the rest of the team. Why is that happening? Why is that person gone? The same can be true if someone has a significant health issue where they suddenly leave the building and staff say, well, what's wrong with them? And, you know, where are they going and when are they coming back? People can feel frustrated that they don't know what's going on. So there's a part of me that says, well, that's completely that person's own business and we really need to maintain their privacy and respect that, respect their wishes. And there's another part of me that really wants to be transparent, particularly when, as has happened for me from time to time, we cop flack over this. So someone says, oh, they, they didn't give that person a chance and that person you know, was in a difficult situation and management don't appreciate it, where in fact management have more than likely bent over backwards to support someone and found that whatever they do, really it's time for this person to do what they do in a different context. So I find it really hard at that point. Everyone's got an opinion. Yes. To, 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 to kind of hone in on that point. And, I, and I've seen that many times. It's a real tension between different needs. How much can you tell the team? How much you can't? I'm constantly confronted with that, trying to find the balance. One of the best expressions I, I do. <laughs> I have to remind myself of is that I'm not I'm not in charge of happiness. Yes. I'm in charge of getting a job done, and if I can get happy, committed, engaged people as a result of that without compromising the mission, I'm there. Doesn't always line up, is my experience. Yeah. So I'll give you a recent example where we're working with some colleagues from outside of our business, and they were clearly under the pump. And so what I saw from them is some pretty bad behaviour: bullying, aggression, and threatening behaviour. This 
for me, as I've discovered, this puts my hackles right up and I want to call it out immediately, right? This is unacceptable. Don't speak to us like that. Don't write us emails like that. Don't treat us like that. And particularly for the people who these things are often directed at, not necessarily me. However, also there's a greater good here and we've got time pressures and the work that we're doing and the relationships we're maintaining now and into the future, they're really important. And so while a part of me wants to call out that inappropriate behaviour, another part understands we need to get things done right now. And now is not the time to say to someone their behaviour is inappropriate, much as it may be inappropriate, not only because it might damage a relationship now that you need and into the future or damage an important piece of work, also because now more than ever, you really don't understand other people's stories. And what you might see as bad behaviour at your end might be somebody's cry for help or somebody's only way of releasing tension in a very stressful environment. So I found myself last week, this was, really needing to vent to a friend and say, I really want to call out some behaviour, but I'm really aware that there's a tension between whether I want to add value by getting this done or whether I want to be the person that takes the moral high ground and says this is not appropriate behaviour regardless of our context. That was a very hard time for me last week. And it's a great example. If we could just switch now to if an organisation is going to say, yep, uh, a values-based leadership is important to us, what does that mean for how that organisation may assess or judge performance? Does it change? Should it change? So I think, first of all, the organisation has to have a conversation itself about which values it prioritises. Some people will have done their own work on their personal values. Others won't really be clear on what they are. But the organisation has to say, this is what we value. We value respect or we value accountability. That has to be a very public conversation within a business so everyone understands what these behaviours that lead to these values being enacted look like. And then, and certainly in my business, that's how we assess performance and that's how we reward performance. So we have awards for people based on them demonstrating value-related behaviour. And in our performance management system, our, our probation system and the like, the questions we ask staff is to give us examples of behaviours where they've exhibited our values. So we're more interested, if you like, in the means than the end, and we value that occurring within our business. And then I think it does change. The conversation's not about minutia and if you met a due date. It's more about how, if, if respect is a value, how that was, how you discussed respectfully the issue, if accountability is an issue, uh, a value how you're delivering and how you're communicating and so all the conversations become framed around values reference rather than a kind of operational detail certainly in my business all of the team are very connected to our values they can all tell you what they are they use them in their communications and language on a daily basis and they would say that they are integral to the positive culture we have I see a very strong connection between the management and staff all demonstrating connection to values and the positivity of the culture. What's your view, given what you've just outlined there, that the, the nexus or the difference that can sometimes be exist between an organisation's values and an individual's values? Because I see sometimes that, and this is sometimes for me, it shows that someone may not be a good fit for the organisation. Have you seen that play out? Yeah, absolutely. So. We talk about our values during the selection process, but I've had staff say to me, oh, we had values in my old workplace, but it was just a poster on the wall, right? <laughs> so they didn't see any yeah. need to really connect to it. 
In the same way that I think it's important for people to understand the values of their board or their their leadership team, because it will impact on you. Yeah, I I do think it's really important for people to understand the significance of that, where organisations are well bought into it. And I do think it makes a difference when people's personal values are not aligned with the business values. It does make it hard to stay there. I've left jobs for that reason. And I've seen examples of that as well. The notion of people interpreting organizational values is something else that I've seen work very well and other times work not so well. And I'll provide an example, I'll get you to comment on it, where one of our organizational values is loyalty. And we thought that's great, that's people clearly understand what the importance of that is. However, what we started to see was that particularly small teams would uh, have loyalty to that small team as being more important than loyalty to the organisation or loyalty to the CEO or loyalty to the commissioner in our words. Have you ever seen anything like that play out where that where the actual the value itself can get skewed? Yes, it can. And also people's understanding of a value. So I had one person thundering and kind of banging on someone's desk and saying, one of our values is respect. You need to respect me. And didn't understand that other people might perceive that uh, that behaviour is actually not at all respectful. So one of the things really important to do is to provide some kind of definition on a behaviour-based. This is what respect might look like and this is what respect doesn't look like. And through those conversations in your business to have everyone clear on what it looks like and what it doesn't to avoid that where you can. Yeah, precisely. The notion of communicating values, which I think is something that you can never do enough of. And I know you can run the risk of saturation and it being such a torrent of the same information that people become deaf to it. I still don't think most organisations are clever enough or considered enough in the way they communicate their values. Is that something that you've seen examples of? Yes, and I think it's it's got to be part of the DNA of the business, which means you need to apply it in all areas. For example, I'm really conscious of the food we provide the staff. If we say their health and well-being is important to us and we give them you know, fish and chips or bags of lollies, there are two messages there. And we often do hear staff talking about the um, formal values and then the informal values in the business. So I find myself as the CEO often wanting to know about things that others might think are minutiae. I might want to understand what we're doing to support this group or how that group is interacting with another group to ensure that not just in the way we speak about it, but in the way we set up a meeting or in the way that we provide a pay rise or whatever it happens to be, that we're still making sure that our values are being considered in the way we do things because it really is the way we do things around here, right? And I think if you just leave them up on the wall and don't think about the daily kind of physical enactment of the values, it's really easy for that to occur. We can bring the word culture into this discussion as being an expression of the way things happen around the place. So I, I really concur with that. Given the time, I just want to lead us now into questions I'm going to ask you. Five questions, and I do this with every guest. The questions relate to leadership and probably communication, because I believe that communication in all its ways is, is a fundamental concept for leadership. If you're happy to, for me to go on, here's the first question. What do you wish you really understood? My first thought is physics. If you ever want to win a pool game, play with me because I really do not understand how the ball goes from A to B to C. Now, if you want a more serious answer, then my answer is I don't understand why people care more about how it looks than how it actually is. 
Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a very good answer. We could talk for a long time on that very point. Two, what do you wish that other people understood about you? I think it's that a, a, a show of strength is not an absence of fear. So as a leader, we often have to be the first one. I, I have a little penguin I made out of Lego that sits next to me at my desk to remind me that I'm often the first penguin off the cliff. That doesn't mean I'm not trembling as I do it. So I want people to understand if I show strength, it doesn't mean there's a lack of vulnerability or a lack of fear. It's just that I'm compelled by my mission and my values to move forward. What a great answer. Question three, what's the strangest question anyone's ever asked you? Well, I took this from a work context just to keep myself nice, Andrew. So uh, in my first roles as a CEO, I had a staff forum of staff that were being transferred to working for me. And I said, you know, ask me any question, as I would. Someone put their hand up, I answered a few questions, and someone said, okay, my question is, well, how old are you? Well, that's a rather <laughs> odd question, but I'm actually okay to answer it because at the time I was only 21, Andrew. So I told them my age. I can't remember what it was, 45, something like that. And the person then said to the entire staff, that's good, thanks. Now I've found out you're younger than me. I don't have to do anything you say. Oh, wow. So the reason for asking the question was to work out whether or not she had to actually do anything the CEO told her to. And obviously her mum had told her when she was seven that she didn't have to do things if someone was younger than her that they told her to. Fascinating. What a fascinating respect dynamic. But anyway, again, we, mm. we could analyse that further. Next question for what type of leader do you prefer? Uh, for me, it's, it's about values alignment. I need to find someone who knows what their own personal values are and they're aligned with mine. In terms of the style, if they're noisy or quiet, if they want lots of communication, very little, if they're more introverted, if they're more conceptual, I, I, I can manage all those things. But I have to know that at the end of the day, we can work together as a team because we're both aiming in the same direction from a values perspective. Thank you. And the final question, five, how do you prefer to deliver bad news in person by text message, which apparently is a younger generational preference, or by carrier pigeon? It's probably TikTok nowadays, Andrew. You're a bit behind the times if you think it's a text <laughs> message. But I would say that I actually did a piece of research on this a few years back with the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, looking at how doctors gave bad news to families. And my PhD, which is really in understanding how social and technical things come together, guides me here too. And I'd say people won't remember what you said, they'll remember how they felt. And they'll remember if they were busting to go to the toilet, if the seat was uncomfortable, the room was cold, or you couldn't maintain eye contact with them. So for me, it's about thinking about the person's experience, understanding that what they'll remember is how they felt about your communication at that time, and being quite mindful about small details, making sure, for example, they've got a notepad and pen handy so they can write things down, making sure you give them your details so they can follow up with you, and making sure they're physically comfortable and that you prepare them for whatever other physical, emotional or spiritual support they might need after you've had that conversation with them. When it's done well, look, it can't change what is a a very bad or sad situation. However, people, I agree. And even last week, I found myself, uh, we, we were together as an executive in our organisation and we were trying to check ourselves about what other things do we need to do to take this organisation through the current pandemic. And I found myself saying something similar in that, please, we've got to remember 
when we get through the end of this, our team, our, our staff, our paid staff, our volunteers, they're going to remember how they were treated. They're going to remember how they were treated and they're going to forget a lot of the other stuff. So that was us trying to you know, keep our focus on the, on the human or, or uh, people element of this equation. It sounds like we've got similar views or values around that. Elizabeth, we're at the end. I need to thank you. I've only got to know you over a short period and through our interactions since then, but I've come to really admire your character. And I sincerely appreciate that you chose to come and have a chat with me on this podcast. I just want to say I appreciate it. So is there any final comment you want to make thanks andrew it's been just such a delight um, meeting you and getting to know you too we're a mutual admiration society i'm sure i think for me you know hopefully it's a long time before i'm dead i feel like leadership it's a little bit like yoga you're never really going to be a master you're just going to work at it through your whole life and i'm really looking forward to a, in a nice balance of times where i am in a comfortable position and times where i'm challenged in a way that I have the capacity to respond in the hope that at the end I will have led a meaningful existence and I can go quietly, happily, peacefully. And if you can do that, you've done well. And, and, I, and I wish you the best of luck. So thank you very much. And I wish you having a, the, the remainder of your day can be as uh, straightforward and enjoyable as it can be. Thank you. Thanks. Same to you, Andrew. Bye. Bye.